This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Heather Carroll. And I'm Father John Rutten. And we're broadcasting today from St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg, South Dakota. Thanks for joining us. It's been a great show. Uh, yes, we're it has. We're going to be... Uh, talking with Father John now about the continuation of your vocation story, and I just want to put a plug out there. If you've missed parts one through four, because we've determined this is the fifth, right? The fifth. Mm-hmm. If you've missed parts one through four, you can just go to our website, realpresenceradio.com, and then go to our podcast page and just type in Father John. And it'll all it'll pop up. Voila. Voila. Yes. So, recap real quick, one through four, what we've discussed so far. Your kind of journey to the priesthood. Yeah, uh, I think was um, up to, my that first phase was up to, I think, um, maybe entering treatment. And mm-hmm. uh, the journey of growing up in the faith, great parents. Uh, but uh, that w- it wasn't enough to prevent the old... <laughs> bottle from becoming a good friend uh and then that first couple years after the treatment center and kind of encountering christ in a very 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 particular way uh Mm -hmm. and um and then that sent me to the seminary so once in the seminary then i did those first couple years that were like oh my gosh i don't know what was hard (laughs) getting sober or going to the seminary you know uh no just a, a great deal of discovery there and uh then when I went to the major seminary and then just discussed uh, that first couple of years. The last time we met, we talked about that first couple of years in Yankton, South Dakota at Sacred Heart. That's right, that's and right. And becoming a priest and all yeah. of the dynamics that uh, happened there. So, well, yeah. and before we left, you said you became a father. So, where does that come in? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like really yeah. nervous. So, yeah. <laughs> I do not have any biological children. <laughs> No, so Thank you for that disclaimer. That up. Yep. Moving right along. Uh, but I am a father. Uh, yeah, I was down in Yankton and been a priest a couple of years. And uh, Bishop Swain asked me to come meet with him. So I had to come up, drive up. I remember driving up to meet with him about my next assignment. And um, as I was driving, I thought, what if he's going to make me a pastor? And you'd only been a priest for I'd only been years. a priest two years, yeah. And usually you do two years of Two assignments of two years each. And and I was like, what if he's going to make me a pastor? And then I started thinking about it. And I was like, what if he sent me to St. Lambert? No way. Yeah, because and the reason that I thought about it was because my dad had died a year and a half before. And his sister is a parishioner there, Mary Creechy. And so I thought, what if dad's like sending me to St. Lambert's to like take care of his sister, you know? And, uh, and then I started thinking about St. Lambert is from the exact same place that my dad and sister and the Ruttons are from in Belgium. Like the exact, even like he's from one side of the river and then was a Bishop on the other side of the river. And like the Ruttons are from one side of the river and also from the other side of the, I mean, it's like the exact wow. same land. Yeah. So I was like, what, what? if, and so then, uh, so then I was meeting with the bishop, and he's, like, asking me these questions. He's like, what would you think of uh, being a pastor? What would you think of being in Sioux Falls? What would you think of a school? Oh, my gosh. What would you think of St. Lambert? And I start <laughs> laughing, which I often do, and people don't know how to receive it, like... 
you know. And I was like, oh, you have no idea what this is. Uh, so I was like, well, I think maybe this is what God wants. Uh, so I think I even told him, I said, I think, I think my dad has something to do with this. So, yeah, so I uh, was assigned to St. Lambert. And when I um, headed, when I arrived there, uh, 2014, July of 2014, uh, there was a wedding that was scheduled, and I didn't obviously know the family, but I was the one to do it. And Father Mason was at Broomtree doing spiritual direction retreats and stuff, so he didn't have the ability to kind of tie up a lot of loose ends, and I just got thrown into the things that were happening. And So uh, how intimidating is that as a priest to come not um, only to get your own parish, but a Sioux Falls parish? Um, I don't think I... Um, I think because of the way I saw this happen, I didn't really think those things through because well, I just that's saw, good. yeah, yeah. I just like <laughs> jump in. So, uh, but I, there was a wedding for, uh, um, Kayla Lindbergh uh, and Derek Beck. Kayla though was the Lindberghs were parishioners at St. Lambert. And I was, the wedding was that Saturday, I think. And, um, at St. Lambert, you kind of stand in the back sacristy and then you just, come into the sanctuary when the groom is down front and i remember standing there on these steps waiting for the groom to get there and it just this is your daughter never planned it never thought about it but it was like palpably aware like you are a father you are the pastor you this is your daughter uh and it it really marked um, in a way I never would have thought the difference between being a priest and being a pastor. Mm. Like this is my daughter. The associate that's at this parish is not the father of this woman in the same way that I am the father of this woman. And uh, and so it just became a beautiful gift. Uh, Derek and Kayla, I love seeing their Facebook pictures and seeing their family grow and just seeing what's happening. I always have this awareness of this moment of uh, preparing to enter into the sanctuary for their wedding. So it really began uh, an experience I wasn't expecting. I, my time, I love being a priest. I love being an associate. But as a pastor, just the way you father and the way that life is generated from you changes in a way that maybe isn't easy to explain but you see that something's happening mm -hmm. something is happening here among these people and you are the father and what does a father do the father's role is to generate and you generate not because of your own efforts you generate because the spirit is the one who is generating the presence of christ in this people uh, and so you just like i don't know it's just a profound thing to see all of these things happening and just little by little friendships that would arrive and people that would arrive and you think, well, where'd you come from? <laughs> and like, and it'd be God like, yeah, I, me, <laughs> me. <laughs> me. Uh, but the, the best part about the year was we, d I just said nothing changes for a year. You know, father Mason had been there prior to me for, I think six, a full six years. Well, and those are some big shoes to fill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah so if you know Father Jim Mason, so have you heard my story about that? No. Oh my gosh. So I, the Knights of Columbus come down to Sacred Art in Yankton and load up all of my stuff in their trucks and stuff, and they're bringing me all the way up to uh, to St. Lambert, and we get to the rectory, and I'd never really been to St. Lambert. I mean, it's kind of you know, hidden away, you know, it's not 
wasn't a place that was sort of on my radar. Um, I had been there, obviously, but um, it just wasn't. So I pull up into the driveway of the rectory. I get out of the passenger seat of this this car. This guy comes over uh, and says, Father, you got big shoes to fill here. <laughs> like, huh. Welcome to St. Lambert Parish, Father. <laughs> like, I'm like, are you kidding me? I was like, did this guy really just say this? And I know Father Mason. He was my spiritual director and my vocation director. I know exactly who I'm following here. Right. This is, you know, like, <laughs> you just said that to me. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. So, fortunately, I, I had knew myself well enough to be like, you do not even try and no, go there. You're so who you are. the first weekend, my first <laughs> homily, uh, I I came, um, I introduced myself, and I told this story. <laughs> and then I said, and I just want all of you to know that I brought my own shoes. And, and I, I pulled and I pulled out my basketball shoes, and I pulled out my flip flops, <laughs> and I pulled out my dress shoes, and I, <laughs> and they just uh, from that moment, Father Mason was a great gift that we're really grateful for. Yes. We had, but something new's happening here. <laughs> it was like just a very simple, and and in a way, it's sort of what I discovered was the best way to live these years as the pastor is just let it happen one thing at a time, and. So this guy coming to say this to me, I could have been offended by, or I could have tried to like prove myself. Nope, just receive this. And then that became the springboard. And then, you know, and it just kind of, mm-hmm. and now the guy I'm super grateful for him. I'm like, I'm so glad this guy said this to me. You know, if, what if he hadn't been so unaware of what he was saying, then I wouldn't have had this beautiful leap into being a pastor. So yeah, it, Father Mason was a huge gift and, Made it really easy in a lot of ways to follow because he had already sort of delved the spiritual depth and really created a hunger in people, I would say, was the gift that he gave to me. Mm -hmm. And then I just fed them. And I think God created both of us in that way, uh, in a a particular um, way that I was capable of feeding. But I don't know that I could have woken the hunger the same way Father Mason really got things kind of generated there. Uh, So it was a beautiful three years but that first year i basically just did nothing you know i was like don't no don't change anything don't like because i don't know what it means to be a pastor and i don't if we change just keep doing what you're doing it's working we're not falling apart yet (laughs) that's beautiful well if you're just tuning in uh we're uh, talking with father john rutten and he's sharing a little bit about his journey of life really of being a priest and your first role as pastor at St. Lambert Parish. Um, if you've missed the previous four conversations, I would highly recommend going out and finding them. Realpresenceradio.com. <laughs> What's that face for? Well, I don't know if they need to go find them. But Hunt them down. <laughs> Everybody has fascinating stories. <laughs> Yours is very relatable, though, Father. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm a wretch. (laughs) I mean, I'm not saying all of you guys are, too. So uh, we're going to continue your story here in just a minute, Father. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more about St. Lambert's. I can't wait to dive in with more. Stay with us. More Real Presence Live after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. 
Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Do you want to make sure Real Presence Radio continues to receive your support in perpetuity? This can now be accomplished by establishing an individual endowment account in your name with a minimum gift of $10,000. A distribution will be made annually in your name to assure future generations will continue to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the mission of Real Presence Radio. To learn more about establishing an individual endowment for Real Presence Radio, a gift which will last in perpetuity, please call me, Mike Kidrowski, at 701-290-4503. State tax credits may apply in some states. Let's get started. In today's world, we are enslaved to addiction. I'm Father Chris Alar. Alcoholism, pornography, and drug abuse have become the master of millions of lives, maybe even your own. Addiction has led to countless deaths by overdose and suicide. So what can be done about it? Victims often explain they are searching to escape the troubles of this world, or they are trying to find a form of ecstasy. Unfortunately, these enslavers provide neither. The experience is only pseudo, a fleeting imitation of an authentic spiritual experience. There's only one true spiritual experience that can provide fulfillment, and when you find it, you will find hope. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And welcome back. I'm Heather Carroll. And I'm Father John Rutten. And you're listening to Real Presence Live. Thank you for joining us this morning. We're broadcasting today from Harrisburg, South Dakota at St. John Paul II Parish. Actually, it's an old bank, but you know. Yeah. Well, it's the parish. I mean, we're in a bank. Totally awesome. Yeah. So Father John's been sharing with us his first experience as a pastor. So that means what, Father, when you are the pastor of a church? Yeah, just uh, you are the one that is responsible for the generation of the... You're the only The life one. of the parish and the, uh, yeah, the... Um, did you the, have an associate? The, the vision for what the Spirit's doing. Uh, I did not have an associate. They had had an associate some time before, and for whatever reason, God decided they weren't going to have an associate anymore. So here you are, two years. So here I am, two years a priest, in charge of this parish that had tons of life. I mean, the place was like hopping, and oh man, it was... Well, and there used to be a competition at the diocese, um... When a new person would arrive, we would be all cordial and nice. And then somebody would have to dig out of them which parish they belonged to. Oh, yeah. Because like, a lot of... Well, half of the chancery office was parishioners when I looked out on Sunday. Saint I'm like, Lambert. well, if I can do anything wrong, I know who's, tell, who's telling. So it's one of you that's telling the bishop. Was that intimidating? <laughs> no, not at all. No. Because it's just... I mean, it kind of just goes a lot. Yeah, I mean, and I'm also... I was made a pastor, but I'm also... What was I? 40, 39, 37 years old at the time or something. Oh. So, I mean, I had a confidence in myself that, yeah, you guys got your journey. I got mine, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but and Chris Bergwald was a theologian, so he's the one that would most I would be worried about. <laughs> and we love to have talks, so uh, it's it's totally fine. Yeah, so you become the one who is in, is sort of the generator of the life there. And uh, I, I, when I was in Yankton, I had the I used to have this question. I had it sort of in the seminary too, but in Yankton, it really hit me. Um, are the sacraments enough? Think about your life. Think about maybe those you love. Think about the people that you want to grow in relationship with Christ. Like when you think about a parish and what's meaningful to you, uh, are the sacraments enough? And the thing that struck me um, in a, in an interesting way. Now I don't believe they are, but I needed to take the journey mm-hmm. to say I think they are, and we're so unaware of the effects of the sacraments that we're trying to create all these other things. And the reason that the question would come to me is it seemed to me like I needed to get all the kids on the bus to go to the March for Life in order for them to have a conversion experience or for them to grow. And and then the sacraments, and they could come to Mass and it would be meaningful to them. Uh, I need We need to get uh, everybody down to Broom Tree to go on a silent retreat. And if they do that, then they'll have a powerful moment and realize God's in their life and uh, they're listening to Him. And then you know, they'll come to confession or they'll... Um, so instead of sacraments so, being secondary. Yeah, it seemed like it seemed like I was being formed and we were living in a church that was saying, we need something more. And I'm like, well, what about Mass? Like, is the sacraments... And can, like, what about Sunday Mass? Like, we're trying to put on a bunch of events. Isn't this like an event? <laughs> right. Uh, what event. about the the sacrament of baptism? Does it have an effect in us? Does it impact my day on a regular basis? Uh or do I need something more than baptism? And baptism's supposed to be the thing. Baptism's it, folks. I'm looking for my purpose in life. You are one of him. You belong to him. That's your purpose. Like He's you know. Heart. So I had this real question: Are the sacraments enough? Uh, and so when I got to Saint Lambert, I think there was so much happening, and we just took this time and just said, "Well, let's just follow what what is going on." But I was able to just kind of live this question of the sacramental life, and there was a, um, so many funerals. There's so many funerals, and you began to see like this. Now the funeral isn't the sacrament, but the the liturgy is there, the prayer, of the church is there, and then the Eucharist is there. Obviously, if they've had, if they're having a full mass, I mean, there's the sacrament. Uh, but you're at people's deathbed when they want to receive confession, and they've been gone from the church for a long time. Mm. Or you're at the person's bedside. I'll never forget this little tiny house. You know, Saint Lambert's just these little houses all over the hills. And I go into this house and I'm kneeling next to this bed of this man who is dying and his family is all there. And next to his bed on his lampstand is a, a stack of cards that's got to be at least an inch and a half high of the prayer cards from other people's funerals. And these were not fresh. These were like used. This man was praying for all of the people whom he knew that had passed away. Like, and here he's passing into eternal life. And I'm thinking, something's happening here. This is like holy. This is, this is like there's something here that's enough. Uh, so with this, like all these funerals, the St. Lambert's was at a place, and it still is, where a lot of the founders were starting to pass away. So there's lots of funerals. And, um, and then lots of anointings. And um, w- they would do this prayer where they would pray over the 
we would we would do the anointings after mass during the weekday and then they would pray the blessing prayer over people and um and i had this with the first time i was done i had this like reaction of like i don't know that i want to do that like it seemed like the thing like the sacrament isn't enough so now we all need to sing this prayer over them mm. okay mm-hmm. now that can be good and effective and like no problem but this is how it was connected to this question in me is why do we have to add this if the sacrament is enough Hmm. But so then I was like, okay, but if we take it away, then like, what if it doesn't work? (laughs) 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 And I can say this now, but this is what I was saying as a priest. What if the sac, what if it doesn't work? I mean, and then I'm like faking it all the time. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, (laughs) you know, I don't know how to explain it. You know, Uh, I mean, anyway, this is kind of. I swear I have faith and I believe in the church and I believe in Christ no. and I believe in the sacraments. <laughs> but, uh, but I wanted to ask this question because it's the real question to me. This gets back to what we were saying earlier about why people maybe would want to listen to these things. I'm no different than anybody else. I just have this part of me that can't not say out loud the question I have or the thing I'm living or what's going on. So, and this is what's going on. And we ended it, but then I thought, you know what? If the sacrament's enough, I'm gonna, not going to know it unless I know the effect of it. So after the first time when I said, let's not sing that prayer over them after we anoint, anoint everybody, because they all would stay. There'd be like 15 people there, sometimes 20 people there that would all be praying for this person who's being anointed. And so I don't want to like, you guys aren't needed now. <laughs> Shoot. I'm here. You're, yeah. No. So I was like, I don't want to like ruin this. So, so after it was all right, I just explained to them why we weren't going to do the prayer. And then I said, would any of you be able to give a witness for the ways in which, because they had all received this too, mm-hmm. many of them. I said, would you be able to give a witness for how this has impacted you when you've been anointed? And like, dead silence. And I'm like, oh, no, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I told you. <laughs> and this lady, Julie, raises her hand, and she, and she begins to tell this experience she had of when she received the anointing of the sick. And then another person raised her hand, and then another person raised her hand. It was amazing. And I was like, the thing that was common across them all is peace, peace, peace. I had peace. I had peace. This happened to me. That happened to me. You know what? For the first time since I had been ordained, I went and I looked in the Catechism of the Catholic Church under the Sacrament of Anointing the Sick. It says one of the first effects of the Sacrament of Anointing the Sick is peace. And I was like, it works! (laughs) It works! You know? And I don't know if I thought they were supposed to, like, get up and, you know, walk again after they'd been in a wheelchair for 50 years or something or what. But I was like, it was the most beautiful thing. And I began to see the sacraments have an effect in our lives. But we need to have a witness of it. Hmm. We need, we are in an age of witnesses. We need to have witnesses to the effect of Christ present through the sacraments, whether it's going to mass, whether it's going to confession, whether it's the anointing of the sick, whether it's your marriage. Beautiful. And then people say, I want what they have too. And through St. Lambert's, and we unfortunately are out of time, I think next time we should do an hour. What do you think? We can talk about that. Let's, let's, yeah, yeah, whatever. We'll, uh, yeah. <laughs> but through St. Lambert's, you gave people a platform to be witnesses. Hmm. And I saw that through the great things that were happening at St. Lambert's. Hmm. So, folks, unfortunately, this is the end of the show. Um, 
It's never enough time, Father John. Yeah. It's always a blessing to be with you, Heather. Thanks for your ministry that you guys do here on Real Presence Radio. Well, Therese, uh, we've got another great show lined up for tomorrow. Can you tell us what's going on? Yeah, so on the next Real Presence Live, that's tomorrow from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Jack and Doreen Canelli are your hosts, coming to you live from the Fargo studio. Steve Weidenkopf will be on to talk about the timeless history of the Catholic Church. And Nate Carr will share about how St. Paul's Newman Center is a home away from home for college students. All that and more is coming up on the next Real Presence Live. That's Wednesday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Back to you. All right. Thank you so much, Mm -hmm. Therese. Well, Father, it's been a joy, a pleasure. We've had um, a lot of great conversations today. It's been great to be with you. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of great. That that, uh, conference up North Dakota is going to be great. I know. I tried to talk Father John into getting Pam to come down here, so we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I'll add her to the list of many. (laughs) <laughs> With what budget? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If God wants it, there you go. Can make it happen. There you go. All right, Father, will you close us out with a prayer? Certainly. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. God of goodness, truth, and love, who has opened our hearts and minds and filled us with his peace, guide us this day and each day that we might seek your will, know your will, and do your will in this world. May we be assisted by all the angels and the saints who together we cry out and pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence Radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.